The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here's Brandon. Welcome back to Old Space Show. I am Brandon. This is my co-capitan, Jim. Well, I'm feeling especially old and spacious today. Thank you. Old, spacious, and this installment of Old Space Show continues our episode-by-episode episode travelogue through the second season of Space 1999, where the moon is knocked out of orbit, wandering through outer space, the population of its human-built colony hoping to stumble upon a new home. Today we're talking about the 14th episode, The Beta Cloud. A mystery illness strikes the moon. An eerie cloud utters a sentence of death. And a frightening space creature runs amok. Directed by Robert Lynn. It's written by Fred Freiberger. This is the first of three he will write. Boy, under the pseudonym Charles Woodgrove. Yeah, Charles. Charles Woodgrove. Oh, yeah. Charles. Our guest star here is David Prouse as the cloud creature. Yay. Um, Prouse? Do we have to explain who David Prouse is? Right, right. No. I was, I was more, for those that don't, he's the guy in the Darth Vader costume. Not, not his voice, but he, so my more thing wasn't who David Browse is because we know him. Well, I mean, he was also the bodybuilder in uh, Clockwork Orange. Yes, he was, and, and he, he also played Frankenstein in the Hammer film. Was it Frankenstein Conquers the World? I want to say he did uh, two of them. He did Horror of Frankenstein and Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. Which Frankenstein ah. the Monster from Hell is the final, I believe, the final one, and they they're. Frankenstein movies and the other one is a it's that weird cousin one that's in Mm -hmm. that series that they were like trying to reboot it and it didn't work too well so they went back to the regular canon of theirs Uh, he was also in Vampire Circus that's another one I believe that one has Lala Ward in it Mm -hmm. Um, he did a couple episodes of Doctor Who in the Pertwee era in this time and I was trying to be like during shooting this I like he probably was doing Star Wars. Star Wars, or, or, or he just got so, done with it because it's nineteen. It says here they were shooting in uh, like fall of seventy six. Yeah, so this so well, it would have probably been right after Star Wars then because that's so, about when they came out, right? Yeah, this star, this script is dated June eleventh, nineteen seventy six, and was filmed July twentieth through August sixth, nineteen seventy six. The 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 people on Space nineteen ninety nine say like. After, immediately after this role, Prowse was cast as Vader. And I'm like, no oh. fucking way. Because that's not true. Because Star Wars started, was slated for release in December of 1976. Mm. And principal photography of Star Wars began on March 22nd, 1976 in Tunisia. So I think he's already shot his stuff or began shooting. Because there's no way they are shooting Star Wars in October 
or you know September for a December release, right? Uh, that, no, that rascally Wikipedia. There's God. just no way. I, I, I I'm I say they this was close. I'm sure he was filming it at the time, but no way that he. No, we found him first. No, you didn't. But yeah, so that's kind of where David Prowse, where I found where he was at the time, because I was like, man, this is really close to where it would have been Star Wars time for. <laughs> and uh, longer term uh, listeners of the Old Space Show will know that we're going so deep on the cameo on this episode because it's not as particularly uh, a strong episode. No. <laughs> um, yeah. The, folks, the, we are going to power through these next two episodes, okay? We're going to get through all together. We'll all be fine. Um, but yeah, you're going to know some some things. And uh, they're, they're Freiburger episodes, which means I, I don't know what's going on here with these two. We'll get it. We won't throw it all here um, for uh, this one because, I mean, we'll have to have talk about something in the next one, right? Right. Well, there are some very uh, strong similarities between the two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, they both have like the central kind of same kind of central conflict. Um, so I, I mean, I'm not saying they retreaded one to write the other, but uh, there's I'm, not, some... I'm not, not saying that either. <laughs> I'm saying there's some cost cutting saving, yeah, maybe, the, right. maybe the time of the production schedule when this took to place of filming becomes more apparent, but, uh, we'll get into it. But this one here. Uh, we start with a strange cloud that appears over Alpha, and it begins to interfere with the sensors and to incapacitate the bulk of the crew by making them weak and listless. First, they show a cloud exploding. Mm-hmm. And I brought the cloud. Uh, the, the cloud brought its own theremin, which was cool. Right. Um, and then they just show some random dude falling down in the hallway. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. Cut, they have this giant space explosion. And all of a sudden, you're like, ooh, ah. Then just a random cut to guy walking down a hallway with a file in his hand, talking to his buddy, and then just falling down. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like a. a I put space explosion or orange space cloud. I don't. I couldn't. It was one or the other. Yeah, um, yeah, we got a skeleton crew here with Tony in charge due to people passing out. Right. Uh, Fraser, Bill Fraser, he's here. He's on point. Sandra's here. Maya's here. But, but Koenig's out, Alan's out. Uh, Eagle 6 is sent to investigate, but fails to return after four days. Uh, long after its fuel stores have been exhausted, Eagle 6 returns to Alpha. Pilot Tom Graham does not respond to Alpha's hails. Sensors nope. detect no life, but the Eagle lands safely. Uh, when Tony and the few remaining security guards board, they find a large creature aboard. It attacks, and they try to stop it with their stun guns. Uh, they fail. Outmatched by the creature, they retreat to command center. Tony posts the few remaining security guards to watch the travel tube for signs of the beast as Maya tries to get the relative position of the storage cloud, strange cloud. It speaks. Tony asks who they are, and it replies that it's beyond their comprehension. Again, with the beyond our comprehension. How do they know what we can comprehend, for God's sake? Every alien you meet. Oh, our moral structure is beyond your comprehension. Look, pal. Just tell me what it is, and I'll let you know whether I can comprehend it or not. Okay, jeez. Can negotiate or something. Come on. My favorite part about these aliens, first of all, they have the reverb turned way up for the aliens <laughs> for some reason. Yes. And they're just telling the uh, 
surrender, die peacefully, and give us your life support. <laughs> right. Like, and Alan's like, oh, or Tony, I'm sorry, Tony's like, we're not the ones to, you know, to kind of just give up and die. Right. Yeah. And oh, my God. It's a, and this episode is another uh, big ep- rubber suit alien let loose shot. aboard Alpha. Yep. Um, and I, I have, a, like, the score in this episode is like out of control. Like yes. it's this big jazzy exploitation movie type vibe with it. Action it's jazz. Action jazz. Yeah, it is crazy. And the monster looks like a um a frog wookie. Like yeah. A dirty, like homeless wookie with a frog head. And the movie uh frog was uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown. Right. With the um, um Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper. It reminded me very much of that kind of set up for the head but then like just grimy wookie underneath yeah it's another episode with a random voice that commands stuff on alpha and makes <laughs> demands uh this this one wants the life support system die peacefully mm-hmm. give uh, us your life support die peacefully yeah it returns the screen so that the crew can observe uh the creature leaving the tra- travel tube security fires rocket guns at the creature but it shrugs it off and proceeds to beat up two-man team tony sends maya and sandra to medical center and has the computer locked all the doors on alpha so they will only open and close at his voice command and he sends bill fraser to guard the corridor to life support and tries to lure the creature into a vacuum chamber in tech lab five right and he does and he gets it into the vacuum chamber here's my question why did he open the door he got the thing, and it just has this like giant, like it almost looks like a bank vault door. Mm-hmm. The way they built it, it says vacuum chamber, of course, and a big sign because everything on Alpha has a big sign next to it telling you what it is. And he's like, "Oh, I've gone in the vacuum chamber," and he's it's trapped in there. It's not going anywhere. He's got it. Yes. So what does he do? He opens the door, right, to see if it's in there. Is doesn't he tell like we don't die on request? Right. Tony line. So Maya wants to help him, but waits for her for his wishes. Tony gets the creature to chase him into the vacuum chamber, confuses it, gets out, locks it in. He depressurizes the chamber and lets Alan know what the situation is. Alan in his robe, mind you, which is yeah. fun. Uh, as, no, he's got to show that manly Australian chest off, right? Yeah, we needed it. Uh, as Cody is still sedated, uh, when he opens the door to make sure it's dead, the creature springs out and attacks. Tony manages to get away f- and down the hall before it catches him. Alan tells Maya to help Tony. She Luckily, tur- there's a giant high-pressure hose right there. Right? In the wall. I mean, there's a giant sign that says, high-pressure hose, danger. <laughs> right. He pulls it out. Oh, good. I'm glad I have this high-pressure hose here. Because that's the only way you can get it out. There's a lot of rubber suit wrestling in this, too. There's like, oh, there is like a lot of hugging and throwing, hugging and throwing and stuff, especially later when Maya becomes an alien to fight him or whatever. Yeah, well, she turns into a mouse to get to uh, where Tony is and she turns, tries to turn into the creature, but she turns into like a smaller version of it because she can't or something. But she's able to trick it long enough to release Tony. And then Tony releases the high-pressure carbon dioxide, which knocks the creature off his feet so they can get away. And they go to the medical center where Helena suggests a heavy-duty tranquilizer to use on the creature. And Tony uses the compost to confuse the creature and keep it from reaching life support before they do. Alien, um, alien this movie is not. 
Well, I put, I put, I go, this episode is Moonbase Alpha Community Theater presents Alien. But it I is. It. It's like, wow. It's like everything, it's like no tension at all. You know, nothing they do even has like the slightest effect. And they take forever to explain what they're going to do next. Then they do it and it has no effect. And they just start explaining the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, like you're in life support at this point. And then the other point, like, they want, I'm, I'm not, I hope I'm not getting too far ahead. Doug, they go want, for it. There's not they, much too yeah, far say, ahead. In I know, one. right? They say, okay, let's flood the hydroponic section with chlorine gas. <laughs> Why? What? Why would you have chlorine gas hooked up to your hydroponics anyway, first of all? Yeah. Why would you do, wouldn't that kill all the food? That makes no sense to me at all. I'm like, why would you do that? Right. But, it's just kind of was blown like every every plan they had and then after that their plan is to take these uh electrical cords right and make like a, a trap right mm-hmm. they spent 10 minutes showing us this dude making this trap it takes right. forever and yeah. they're like and you're thinking oh well it must be a big deal then if they're taking so much time to show me you know what's going on with this trap right and the mm-hmm. guy's like putting it together and a high voltage thing blah 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 this thing like burns through it in like 10 seconds. It's like all this setup for nothing. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps going like that. This whole episode is like that. It's like, oh, let's try this. Well, oh, that even, didn't stop either. They even again bring back the red monster that Maya turns into to save Tony. Remember when she saved Carter with the oxygen from the, in the Sarah Douglas episode? She like yep. turns into it here again. They can't get enough of that costume. It looks Dude. like a shorter orange slee stack. Yeah. And uh, this is a Koenig and Helena light episode. It's like way Tony heavy with Maya in a supporting role. Well, I got to say something about this episode that kind of made me mad once, you know, we get a little further into the story. Okay. They call Fraser to have Sandra explain the electrical barrier across the hallway. Tony Jones joins Maya in hydroponics that she has set up. They only need to get the creature to walk into the trap. Uh, Maya turns into an animal that we just discussed from Crino because she can breathe the chlorine atmosphere. Uh, Tony calls to the creature and hides. Then uh, Maya leads it into the room. Chlorine has no effect on it. So they try the tranquilizer gun has no effect. The creature throws Maya into the door controls, shorting them out. Tony has to break the window to give her an exit. They get away, but Maya is beginning to believe there is no stopping the creature. Tony, unwilling to give up, comes up with the idea to try to attack the cloud to see if they can affect its control over the beast. They go to the weapons section and fire the laser into the cloud. The cloud thins, and we see a diamond shape within. And the target, the ob- they target the object, and it splits into two as they monitor the creature is disoriented. <laughs> but then the guy keeps talking, you fools, you cannot hurt us. Blah, 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 blah. We are the... You know. We have the supreme. We are the supreme intelligence. We have the supreme mm-hmm. pizzas. We know right. what we're doing. Well, the, the the monster doesn't like what alarm clock sounds. Is that what right. like? Yeah. That was the other thing he didn't like. Yeah. I think he hates Mondays. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I put I had a note here. The costume versus costume fights have a whole lot of hugging involved. Yeah, in it looked very. It was like oh, I was gonna. I almost won't expect you. Up, oh, Alan's got a folding chair. He's getting in there. Right. <laughs> Just very uh like uh, uh amateur WWF situation, airplane spins. Yeah. And, like, you know, a lot of holds picking people up and acting like they're giving them like the painful bear hug or something. Uh, yeah. It was hilarious. 
I have, uh, how do you attack a cloud? Lasers. Yep. That's how you shoot something that doesn't have any substance or mass. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, and there's a, the thing, I think it says to them, accept your fate. During, like the voice. It's like, God, guys, can you just lay down and die already? We need your life support and stuff. Come on. <laughs> oh, I have this good gem from Tony. He goes, if we can threaten it somehow, beat it off even. And I was like, whoa, whoa, Tony. Whoa. Hey, no. what, kind of, what kind of plan is this? It's a totally yeah. different episode, buddy. Yeah. Hey, man. Uh, I just so, like we watched Frazier put up the electrical stuff for like a half. It seemed like a half hour. Oh, yeah. It seemed like it went on forever. That's all he had for him to do. Frazier kind of looks like young Stuart Margolin. Right. I kept thinking about like, uh, you know. Maybe uh, James, you know, James Garner would be coming around the corner and then it'd be like, hey, Angel, you got to get out of here. <laughs> so they think they've succeeded until the two halves rejoined. Uh, the voice taunts them. They fired. It's split again. Two halves. All four pieces rejoined. The great amusement of the cloud. Realizing this, two was futile. They joined Bill Fraser, who has completed his work on the electrical barrier and wait for the creature to arrive. When it does, it tests the barrier and is repelled. Barrier enters repelled, but it gets up and tries again. The barrier weakens with its second attempt. Um, now this is where the, the scene happens. that really bothered me. Okay. This is where Tony, uh, professes his love for Maya. Yes. It is now okay. time for them to profess love and suck face. Well, here's the thing though. This happens and I'm watching it. And I was like, Holy crap. They actually have some, character progression here wow they've actually like something like a character arc here for these two. Oh my mm -hmm. goodness they're really advancing the overall continuity story that's crazy they never do that on this show and it really stuck out until the end which we'll get to but go ahead yes. well he also says i must make a confession psycon is my favorite planet i was like uh okay smooth like, line smooth line bro that's where she's from but like, did you really love it there with like, uh, okay, cool. He's just a really big Brian Blessed fan. That's right. So when they realize that the creature survived, they know it will break through shortly. Tony, this is where he confesses his love for Maya. They're interrupted when Fraser alerts them to the fact that the barrier won't hold. Fraser fires the rocket gun in a last ditch effort, but the creature shrugs it off and breaks through the barrier anyway. As it moves into life support, Maya realizes that the reason nothing worked against the creature is because it was a robot. Sure. Uh, like electricity doesn't affect robots in any way. I was like, cause so Maya turns into like a bee and flies into it and like short some circuits. So I'm like, how? Not, nothing. How? I'm sorry. Not, sorry. How though? Like she's a bee and <laughs> they show her flying into the ear of the thing. And flying around, it's like, um, they, I guess they're supposed to look like advanced space circuits, but they're like plexiglass with things painted on them. And they just show her flying around. If you're a bee, what are you doing to the circuits that you would mess them up? You can only sting once and then you're dead. I mean, is she just flying around in there and annoying the hell out of the robot? Or yeah. I just didn't get that. I'm like, how is she going to do any damage in there as a, as a bee? You know? I Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, and I'm like, nothing else damaged the robot. Cyberger! Nothing else could damage the robot. Nothing. Cyberger! <laughs> so they remove the life support core, uh, but Tony and Bill fight the robot, try to retrieve it. Maya turns that sort of B thing. She works out, shorts out circuitry. Meanwhile, the cloud has been diminishing in size until it vanishes. 
Uh, Maya visits Tony in medical center with an armload of gifts. He asks if she recalls the wild garbage he told her when the creature was on life support. She promptly takes the gifts and leaves. He laughs, knowing she is crazy about him. This is the part that bothered me. They finally, they, they, they go to the point of having this character progression where he finally is like, hey, I really like you. I love you. Blah, blah, blah. They kiss and everything, right? But of course, because it's 70s white male reality, how dare I right. admit that I showed affection for a female? <laughs> I'm like, look, Zap Brannigan, come on, man. Right. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? Yeah. Oh, that lighthearted freeze frame. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a white male in the 70s. I can't possibly you know, express my feelings. God damn. <laughs> what are you thinking? I just yeah. kind of made that. I was just like, oh, yeah. They went to all this trouble to have that scene and everything, and then they just nullify it at the end. It's like, nah, whatever. Yeah. And this episode, there's not near enough here to encompass an entire 50-minute episode. Uh-huh. I, they try, but it is super repetitive. A lot of running, running through corridors, back and forth, bear hugs, destroy stuff, repeat. Like, like it, there is nothing here at all. But thanks, Zeus, for Maya. Uh, she is like the best part of this episode, and like one of the best characters in the like series. And th- they they actually this one they mess around with her abilities in this one a bit. Right. Uh, give give her some limitations on them. Uh, show her uh-huh. challenged and show her ability uh, for to find solutions and take a problem head on. So I, while this episode stinks, in my opinion, it was good. There's good Maya stuff in here. And it's funny, and the hilarious part in the context of the next episode about her yeah. little self-imposed rule. It's like, uh, but, uh, well, we'll talk about that then. Yes. Uh, and then uh, uh, Martin Landau and Barbara Bain were on holiday in France when this episode was shooting. That explains uh, a lot. Yeah, it, it does. And But I, I do, I have to say, I love old television, especially we're in the UK, where they treated it like a job with days off, sick time, vacation time, and just like rolled with it. Like, I kind of I have a I have a charm for that. Like, oh well, I'm gonna take my vacation this week. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, uh, sure. We'll right around still, it. Still have eight hours of personal time left. Um, but we'll mm-hmm. figure that out. Yeah, but I I don't know. There's like a charm to that. Like, that would not be allowed to happen now. Like, <laughs> at all. But I don't know. But uh, that'll do it for another moon buggy adventure. Uh, in the meantime, Jim, where can people moon buggy with you across the internet? Well, as long as they're driving, they can come over to www. Uh, what is it called? Oh, yeah, hhwlod.com for the Walking Dead TV podcast. Uh, we've been following the Walking Dead since the very beginning, of the very first episode, and you can listen along as you watch along with the show if you're catching up. Uh, Fear of the Walking Dead we also cover, and Walking Dead World Beyond. Uh, all that's available at hhwlod.com. And over at the Taylor Network of Podcasts, uh, dot com, you can hear me every week with Donnie Salvo and Daryl Taylor on Nothing's On, where we give our uh, knuckleheaded take on uh, the week's worth of entertainment uh, news. It's pretty fun. Check it out. Uh, it's available on Amazon Music. And, uh, you know, I like just going up to say, Alexa, play Nothing's On. And it does. And it's kind of great. So, Gotcha. All right. Well, hashtag. Uh, Omega Cloud. And, I, <laughs> and I'm on Twitter, Instagram at Brandon4KUHD, written work at YSOBlue.com. There's more from the Brandon Peters Show next week with Old Space Show because Old Space Show is the only thing going on on the Brandon Peters Show right now. But until then, Alpha out. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. 
Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.